0: Binge Mode is brought to you by DirecTV Now. Livestream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus, you can subscribe to HBO and start watching Game of Thrones today.
1: Warning, Binge Mode features adult content.
0: Much like the show Game of Thrones, about which we are talking. If you watch Game of Thrones and you're fine with it, you'll probably be fine with this podcast. If not, the Ringer NBA show is very good.
1: And now, Binge Mode. You should have taken the realm for yourself. Such a sad mistake.
0: I've made many mistakes in my life, but that wasn't one of
1: them. Oh, but it was. When you play the Game of Thrones, you win, or you die. There is no middle ground. Hello. And a welcome to binge mode. Yeah, yeah. I'm Mallory Rubin, deputy editor of The theringer.com. Joining me today, now that he's become the man he was always Ooh. meant to be. Feel it. It's Ringer Staff Writer and your Maester, Jason Concepcion.
0: Jason Concepcion Staff Writer, titles, 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 you know the damn words. <sighs>
1: Oh, Jason, this is going to be a good one. Guys, we're excited. Great, This is
0: a great episode, legitimately. We're
1: excited. We love this. We're geeking out. We haven't even started, and we're already just completely losing our (laughs) minds with Glee. Like so many of the characters on Game of Thrones, much to Tywin's chagrin, we are acting like fools and trying to say something clever. We're rewatching all 60 episodes of Game of Thrones. We're deep diving one at a time. Requisite spoiler warning for all of you. We are going deep on the books and the show this season and beyond. We believe in you. Be courageous. You can do it. The wooden horses, the iron chairs, grab what you can. Join us as we discuss season one, episode seven. You win or you die. Jason. Yes. Before we issue our royal pardons, let's take a quick trip down our very own King's Road and offer up a brief refresher on this loaded seventh episode.
0: In the Westerlands, we meet Tywin Lannister, the Warden of the West, richest man in the realm. Lord Tywin has called his banners for war and is lecturing Jamie on the stakes of the conflict as he guts a stag, foreshadowing alert. He orders Jamie to besiege Riverrun, Cat Stark's ancestral home.
1: Oh, Tywin, welcome into our lives and our hearts. Uh, Meanwhile, up at the wall, John suffers a slight Sir Alistair's revenge. He is placed in the stewards, not the rangers, but ultimately stops pout and sucks it up. He and his fellow recruits say the words, become sworn brothers of the Night's Watch. But it's not so simple. John makes a couple alarming discoveries. One, Uncle Mm. Benjen's horse comes back without a rider. Two, Ghost comes back with a severed hand in his mouth.
0: Up north in Winterfell, Theon embarrasses himself in front of Osha the Wildling, who displays a shocking knowledge of of lords and ladies of the realm. Uh, Osha offers some alarming words about the White Walkers. Hashtag they back.
1: Over across the narrow sea in Vastothrak, Jorah, my future husband and the love of my life. Tight,
0: tight shot on his face. My son in
1: stars, if you will, (laughs) thwarts an assassination attempt on Danny's life. Drogo, very grateful, repays everyone. Yes. Jorah with a horse. That's right. The would be assassin by making him run nude. Tough for that guy. Tough look. Tough and look for that guy. Most importantly, Danny with a promise. Yes. To head west.
0: In King's Landing, Ned confronts Cersei about her relationship with Jamie. He gives her the opportunity to flee the city with her children before Robert returns from the hunt. She's unafraid. Robert returns but on a stretcher after having his guts torn out by a boar. He names Ned Protector of the Realm and asks him to coach Joffrey on how to be a good king. Renly and Littlefinger both make their power play appeals to Ned, who remains stubbornly committed to supporting Stannis over Joffrey, or even Renly himself. And then the bells toll. And that means a major character has passed from this world. King Robert Baratheon, the first of his name.
1: Titles, titles, titles. May the mother
0: keep him. Ned thinks he and Littlefinger made an agreement, but when Ned calls out Joffrey's illegitimacy after Robert's death, Littlefinger, Cersei, and the gold cloaks turn on Ned. TLDR, Ned is an idiot.
1: Fucking idiot. No, Ned. We tried to warn you, buddy. We tried. We really did. All right, that is a lot of death and destruction and scheming and betrayal and titles, titles, (laughs) titles. You know the damn word. (laughs) It gets us right to this episode's big idea So let's cut to the core of it. Let's stick it with the pointy end. The defining theme of this episode is legacy. Let's begin our legacy discussion by talking about the character who, for many viewers of the show, is part of the legacy of the show itself. It's true. Tywin Lannister. The godfather. What a fucking legend. We meet him. Skinning a stag methodically <laughs> yeah. with lust.
0: He's enjoying it. A certain
1: tenderness.
0: A little bit. He
1: enjoys the craft. He does. Of course, book readers will know that this is this is borrowed from another character. Yes. This is this is Sam's dad, Randall, in the book. But a very fitting introduction for Tywin, especially given the symbolism of what severing a stag, yep. ripping a stag <laughs> apart means for Robert and his house's future. Here's the thing about Tywin. We meet him. He's lecturing one of his children, as he's wanted to do. And he doesn't actually give a shit about Tyrion. That is important yeah. for everyone to understand. Hates he Tyrion. He makes this abundantly clear, right? He's yeah. not mincing words with Jamie. He won't mince words later with Tyrion. He's going to war because of what somebody else going after Tyrion represents. That's right. It's not about being sweet to his baby boy. It's about the threat to the perceived strength of the Lannister name and thus Tywin's legacy. Because for Tywin, family is not about feelings. It's not about the warm, fuzzy stuff. It's about the power of a lasting legacy.
0: That's exactly right. And a lot of this can be um, traced back to uh, Tytos Lannister, who's Tywin's dad.
1: Another incredible name.
0: Just How did a Jamie lot of end up names? being Jamie, <laughs> know, by right? the
1: way? Like, he's supposed to be the badass and the looker, and he's Jamie. And
0: Titos was the exact opposite of Tywin. Soft dude, did not care about the legacy, got involved with a woman uh, who was not his wife, who he kind of let run things. She ran up debts. She empowered other people. Um, long We'll get into this later, but long story short, uh, Tywin had to clean up a lot of messes that his father's lax personality uh, allowed to happen.
1: And that is how he comes to this place, this moment in his life, where he can say the following to his son. If another house can seize one of our own, and hold him captive with impunity, we are no longer a house to be feared. Your mother's dead. Before long, I'll be dead. And you and your brother and your sister and all of her children, all of us dead, all of us rotting in the ground. It's the family name that lives on. It's all that lives on. Not your personal glory, not your honor, but family. A couple yep. things here. Is he available for bar and bat mitzvahs?
0: <laughs> you know, like his his children are such disappointments except for Tyrion who right. he just rejects by dint of his birth.
1: Tyrion was an instant d- yes. disappointment and so Tywin can never look beyond that to That's see right. what even a success though, he could actually even though be.
0: Tyrion is Tywin's son the most of <laughs> the most like Tywin of of his children.
1: Absolutely he's Tywin's feelings about the about everything yeah but his feelings about the future specifically as he's looking to, ahead to what his legacy will be to what his family's legacy will be They're really informed by lessons he's taking from the past. As you note, his personal history with his father and everything that that experience ingrained into him, but also the history of the realm. He views the Targaryens as a cautionary tale, right? He says to Jaime, the future of our family will be determined in the next few months. We could establish a Well, he doesn't say dynasty. 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 We could could establish a a dynasty that will last a thousand years or we can collapse into nothing as the Targaryens did. So he's not just focused on making the Lannisters the supreme house in the land. He's focused on somehow finding a way to make that last forever, which is weird because if you're a student of history and are using history to inform your decisions, you know that that's basically impossible, that this stuff is cyclical, right? Spokes on a wheel.
0: Well, he has reason to... To be cautious right now, his uh, the status of the of the Lannisters is very tenuous. Um, he has no obvious heir. Right. He hates Tyrion um, because Tyrion's a dwarf. He he finds him to be an embarrassment right. to him.
1: And the Mad King really fucked him by making Jaime Kingsguard. That's
0: right. It took away his ability to. Uh, have children, to get married, to inherit lands. Guys,
1: he seems to be doing fine with the having children thing.
0: So who's right, yeah. So who's uh, you know, who's the, the, the next heir to Casterly Rock? It would go, I guess, to Kevin and then Kevin Kevin's with an line, A. Kevin with an A and then Kevin's kid Lancel, the mother who's a whore with the fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it would it would fall out of his direct line and this makes him extremely nervous.
1: One of the things that's great about this intro to Tywin is that, of course, you can never sense that he's nervous. He has such a facade of strength at all times, even when he's in a position of severe vulnerability. He hides it well possibly to his detriment like if he was a little more honest with himself and with others about the situation he was in maybe he would have ended up in a slightly better place but it's cool how this scene so effectively tells us everything that we need to know about how tywin operates when he says to jamie lannisters don't act like fools right he's reacting to his father he's reacting to the fear of the whispers about Jamie being a Kingslayer. He's actually in a way doing the thing that he's accusing Jamie of doing in that moment, right? The lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of the sheep. Great line. But what is Tywin doing during the course of this lecture? He can never really separate himself from the thing that he thinks he's worried about. Like he sees in his children, some of the flaws that he knows he carries in himself. Right. And, nobody has more flaws than Ned, <laughs> as we know. Wait, he, which he doesn't realize himself. Right, exactly. This is the episode where, boy, Ned, Ned has blows been... It,
0: Ned blows it at least three times in this episode.
1: Minimum, minimum. Ned has been skating on that thin ice, <laughs> and he takes a deep, deep plunge into the frosty abyss here. This is when he corners Cersei and says, I know the truth John Aaron died for. Right. Another great line from Ned, your brother? Your brother
0: or your lover? Or your
1: lover. He's threatening to expose Joffrey's illegitimacy and thus the illegitimacy of the Lannisters' connection. Showing his
0: hand, by the way. Why are you letting her know that you know? Either tell everyone or don't.
1: Because he doesn't know, yes. how, to play he doesn't know how to play the it. game. He thinks, right? he's, he thinks he's... he's being
0: merciful and he's giving his own throat to them.
1: The madness of mercy. He what, what is his motivation here, right? His motivation, which prevents him, along with his, his own just sense of honor and kind mm-hmm. of dunderheadedness, his motivation is to preserve Robert's legacy, right? right? Here's this idea of legacy again. Cersei is betraying and corrupting that legacy by propping up these illegitimate bastards as Robert's heir. This confrontation leads Cersei to deliver one of the Signature lines of the entire show. When you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. And here's the thing. That whole exchange happens before Robert's gravely wounded. This is while he's out on a hunt. Ned is giving her an out. Robert's injury compounds Ned's already wrongheaded instinct, right? Leading Ned to change the will. Another great moment where the the camera kind of zooms in. He's supposed to write my son Joffrey, but he writes my rightful heir. Ned says to Robert, I'll do everything I can to honor your memory. And yeah. what is honoring someone's memory if not protecting that person's legacy, right? That's what Ned is after. It's a a very pure and kind of sweet, but ultimately very misguided instinct because Ned is not a political creature. And he is currently, by doing this, he's putting himself in position to operate against people who are political creatures, yeah. right? Cersei, obviously. Also, Renly and Littlefinger. He is, as ever completely uninterested in considering his own legacy, which Littlefinger is encouraging him to do, right? Littlefinger makes an appeal, sees the moment. You're already handed the king. Robert is naming you protector of the realm. You
0: sit on the throne.
1: The power is yours. What is Ned's response to this? Not not dope. That sounds awesome. I can't (laughs) wait. To yeah. rule a kingdom, it's do you have a shred of honor? Yeah. And Littlefinger's like, dude, all the power is yours. Right. You just need to take it. But Ned doesn't know how to do it. He thinks that's treason. Great comeback from Littlefinger. Only, Only if we, if we lose.
0: lose. Yeah, Ned's disinterest in his legacy is—it's ultimately irresponsible and dangerous. He's really uh, his children are are very poorly served by uh, his actions. He's Bad dad. brought. He's brought his his two daughters to a city that he admits is extremely dangerous. Arya only survives because of her innate bad assness. Sansa uh, thinks that you know puppies and magical princes exist, and she's never been uh, schooled into the brutal realities of the realm. Uh, he's just a bad dad and a bad leader. Sorry, guys. Fuck,
1: Ned. You really botched this one, buddy. Littlefinger, meanwhile, he's, he's actively maneuvering. He's, he is, he's not working with the family legacy that Tywin is. He's trying actively to craft his own legacy, right, right? To build a legacy from scratch, which is pretty cool to watch. We get another great sex position scene. <laughs> play with ass. <laughs> <Ross. laughs> <It's like, laughs> I gotta say, the food in that scene <laughs> is just way too close. Yeah, Way too you close back to the that ass up. play. The health code violations. We really hey. should be tracking these yeah. more methodically. But he's he's sharing the history of his duel with Brandon Stark, right. right? Which comes up many times. Quote already unquote duel. Quote unquote duel. Exactly. I carry a scar. And what did he take from this? He learned an entire life philosophy yep. from the result of that confrontation. He says. That's their game, their rules. I'm not going to fight them. I'm going to fuck them. That's what I know. That's what I am. And only by admitting what we are can we get what we want. Roz, of course, and what do you want? And then Littlefinger says, oh, everything, my dear. Everything there is. He wants to establish a legacy that will last just like Tywin does. They're coming at it from different directions. They're seeking the same thing. Ned can't compete with that kind of instinct because it's – It's foreign to him.
0: it's hunger also because Littlefinger looks around at the Starks, at the Lannisters, and he thinks, well, they had to start somewhere.
1: Right, and it's very easy for him in the moment when he turns on Ned after making an agreement and puts a dagger in Ned's throat in the the final scene of the episode to say, I did warn you not to trust me. Like, he actually doesn't give a shit about honor at all. He cares about results, and ultimately that's why he's still play in the game and some of these other people aren't, right? And then let's contrast that strategy a bit to Renly's who is also putting his own personal legacy on the line, but unlike Littlefinger, he comes from a powerful house, right. right? So in order to make this move Renly basically has to besmirch his family name, soil the thing that the Baratheon name could stand for. He's going to have to go we're going to see multiple Baratheon sigils, different Baratheon banners, right? Yeah. He's taking actually a very un tywinian route here by saying i'm willing to take out stannis i'm willing yep. to take out my brother and a member of my family who's ahead of him in the line of secession in order to further his own agenda right and he says to ned he's making this appeal what's best for the kingdoms what's best for the people we rule we all know what stannis is he inspires no love or loyalty he's not a king i am he's basically parroting loris's speech yes. right back to ned and he's going to act on it because he's not actually afraid to take this risk. Ned is afraid to sync up with him. Oh, Ned. <laughs> oh, Ned. Buddy. Hey, guys. Just a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. Binge Mode is brought to you by DirecTV Now. Livestream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus, you can subscribe to HBO and start watching Game of Thrones today. And now, back to Binge Mode. What about Danny? What about the Targaryens?
0: Well, it's interesting because Danny isn't as aware of her family legacy as her brother was. Mm-hmm. She is ready to seize um, what she feels is hers, and that child growing in her belly, I think, has, has awakened something that—that that feeling of being a leader, being the dragon. She refers to viserys as the rightful heir to the Seven Kingdoms, and Jorah, you know, quickly corrects her: uh, the Targs had no right they had dragons and that's the thing that people often overlook is succession isn't as important as who can hold the throne who can take it who can take it in that moment not who is owed it um after the wine attack drogo uh embraces the idea probably out of uh, not a not a small sense of revenge of mm-hmm. punishing the people who tried to kill his uh son stars and stars his <laughs> and his unborn child and and he says in uh in dothraki and to my son the stallion who will mount the world i will also pledge a gift i will give him the iron throne i will give him the seven kingdoms
1: i just love that because to 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 danny right the wooden horses that are going to get her to that iron chair to use drogo's words that is her legacy in her mind that iron chair she thinks she has a right to it she's as bad as as viserys in that way and it's all in such stark contrast to what we see playing out on the wall where John is, you know, we hear the old bear the, uh, the old bear. ahead of the ahead of the swearing in, you know, here on the wall, we are all one <laughs> yeah. house. Like when you're signing up to be in the Night's Watch, embracing the legacy of being a sworn brother really means shedding your family legacy once for all entirely we see we see sam really give into this idea fully by saying that he's gonna he's gonna say his words in front of a heart tree with john you know embracing the the old gods because the seven what did they ever do for him before so him exactly so it's a very different thing and we need you to be our sword in the Ah. darkness our watcher on the wall we need you to assemble the conclave take us to the citadel And teach us everything that we need to know about the Night's Watch, which is gaining importance in this season and will be one of the most central institutions on this show.
0: So 8,000 years ago, uh, once the White Walkers were beaten back and the Long Night was brought to an end by the combined forces of men, children of the forest and giants, um, the wall was built. Perhaps with magic, perhaps with the help of Bran the Builder Stark, no one's exactly sure it was warded with powerful spells in order to hold back the undead forces of darkness should they ever rise again. Um, Someone needs to man this wall. The Night's Watch was a militant order of sworn brothers who had participated in the battle against the White Walkers, and they were tasked with defending it. So by the time we pick up the story... Uh, You know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years have passed, the White Walkers have not been seen in that time, and the organization has taken on quite a different meaning. Uh, You're probably familiar with the broad outlines of the Watch as an organization, its members pledge to join for life, to hold no lands, to take no wives, to father no children, uh, to live out the rest of their sad, brutish lives in these three little (laughs) shitbox castles located on the far edge of the world. Uh, The penalty for desertion, of course, is death. Um, And these stipulations, along with the remote um, location—this is assuming that you're from south of the Neck, south of the north— and the long-ago passing of the White Walker threat from living memory into basically legend made the Wall an ideal place to send criminals— um, unwanted family members, noble born threats to the status quo and to the realm who, for whatever reason, uh, you can't execute. And so it's ironic because of this kind of unofficial role as the Westeros's like waste collection bin, the Watch uh, has become this very democratic and diverse institution, probably the most so in the realm. The Lord Commander serves for life, but is, it's an elected position. This is the only place where you'll find Aemon Targaryen, who was once offered the throne. He could have been king. Where you'll find Gior Mormont, the lord of Bear Island, alongside guys like Gren and, and Pip, who are nobodies, commoners, and absolute human trash like Rast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all living together, all dining together at the same tables. Um, you know, as Benjamin Stark once said here a man gets what he earns when he earns it. While the White Walkers haven't been seen for a long, 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 long time, things have not been boring. Wildling raids happen with regularity, happen all the time. History tells of numerous pre-mance raider kings beyond the wall who have threatened and at times helped the realm. Eighty years before the events of the show, the Starks and the Umbers beat back Raymond Redbeard, uh, whose United Wildling Army had managed to breach the wall, probably by climbing over. And mirroring current events thousands of years ago, the Night's King, who was the mysterious and evil thirteenth Lord Commander of the Watch, founded a breakaway kingdom at the Wall that was um, is still the subject of Dark Whispers. And it took a li- an alliance between King Brandon Stark, the King in the North at that time, and the Wildling King beyond the Wall, Joramun, probably of the Horn, mm-hmm. Joramun's Horn, to defeat him. Uh, so. That horn? The watch survives uh, by farming and hunting and trading for whatever it needs. The lands directly south of the wall, out to about 50 leagues, um, from end to end are known as the gift, and that's where they hunt, that's where they, they grow crops. And there are 19 castles along the wall. Most of them are in various states of disrepair. By the time John arrives, the watch is very weak, and they can only staff three castles. There's the port castle, East Watch by the Sea, which is the primary trading hub, Castle Black, of course, which marks the start of the King's Road, and the far western fortress, the Shadow Tower. Tough times for the Watch.
1: Um, there will be a lot more Night's Watch talk on this podcast, certainly a lot more so much. Night's Watch action on the show, so we will, we will keep it there for today, and we will, we will return to the Wall and to Castle Black very soon, we promise. Maester, as yeah. much as we would love to guard the Realms of Men with you forever, it is time <laughs> to head to the Sept... To bathe in the light of the seven. Let's do it. Let's share our seven favorite insights, observations, little nuggets, things that stood out to us in hindsight, funny jokes, masturbation euphemisms, who knows? We love those. Our favorite bits from this episode. Let's do it lightning round style. First.
0: White Walker foreshadowing. When, uh... When Osha explains to Meister Lewin why uh she was fleeing south south as south goes, she says there's things that sleep in the day and hunt in the night. And he says the White Walkers have been long gone and she's They wasn't gone, old man, they was sleeping and they ain't sleeping now no more. You know the the Paul and
1: grammar. Yeah the grammar. You know, the, <laughs> grammar.
0: The, the wildlings uh understand things that people south of the wall don't. They see giants. They understand the children of the forest are real things that exist, so um, the White Walkers are even if they hadn't seen them for centuries, are not a huge stretch for them to believe or, that they're real.
1: It's really great how she calls everyone Winterfell a Winterfell southerner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, such a yeah. great shade, great burn. Uh, number two, when Ned tells Varys to call off the arrangements to kill Danny, because this is one of the things that Robert says to, to Ned. In addition to titles, titles, <laughs> <"Tidles>, titles, titles, <laughs> titles on the death on his deathbed. Ned immediately springs into action. This is what he's wait- he's been waiting for Robert to make this concession. Goes to Varys, says, call it off, buddy. Call yeah. it off. Let her live. It's too late, right? The, the birds have flown. But what is important here? Who is also standing there? Barriston. Right. Listening, hearing, observing. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't really do anything. But this stands out in hindsight because we now know where he's going to go. And overhearing this conversation gives him crucial intel about where Danny is, what threats she faces, and what sort of help she might need.
0: One ticket to Slaver's Bay, please. Um, Number three. When Ned reveals that he has Robert's will, Sir Barristan says, the king's seal, unbroken. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) They open it up and and Sir Barristan reads it and it reveals that Ned is in theory, the guy who would be running things uh, in Joffrey's stead as he becomes a man. And Cersei says, is this meant to be your shield, this piece of paper? And tears it up right in front of his face. Uh, and many things in this world are paper shields. And if you can't back up the words on these paper shields, then, then what good are they? There's Barrison is taken aback by this. He says, those are the king's words. But of course, he doesn't do anything. Does Word, he?
1: Words are wind. That's right, Jason. Words are wind. Also, you're going to get a paper cut if you if you keep tearing <laughs> things up like that. Like, please, please take some care. Number four, I have to say, Jack Gleason, who plays Joffrey, if he was not cast specifically because of how scrumptiously and perfectly he sits in that throne, then it's certainly why he was put on this earth. He was put here to sit on the iron throne. Oh. The way that he kinda leans, yeah. just a little just putting that putting the weight, shifting it to the right hip. Right. You got the elbow cocked yeah. out. He just looks like such a fucking asshole.
0: He really does. And it's
1: perfect. You you just need to look at him for a second yeah. to know that he's a monster. <laughs> He's fantastic. And it's everything. It's great. All right, number five.
0: Some great, great words of wisdom in this episode. Renly to Ned. Tell me something. Do you still believe the good soldiers make good kings? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ned does believe that, by the way. Little finger to Ned. We only make peace with our enemies, my lord. That's why it's called making peace. This is after <laughs> Littlefinger <laughs> asks, should I make peace with my enemies after being told about making a deal with the Lannisters? Uh, he should have listened.
1: Sixth item here. Sam young sam tarley sworn brother he's trying to talk john off the ledge john's pouting i wanted to, I wanted to be a ranger With a change I wanted to change his sheets be a bring ranger. him fruit in the morning and what does sam say i always wanted to be a wizard <laughs> here's the thing maybe sam will be a wizard of sorts the way <laughs> things are going for him wizards are magical and sam might stumble upon some information that's magical so i think 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 this is charming and wonderful all right bring it home number seven little finger on reminiscing
0: about the old days he says i'd read all the stories the little hero always beats the big villain in the stories and this is important because you know these the bad guys in the world in the real world and also in this story they don't see themselves as the bad guy they see themselves as the hero little finger sees himself as the hero
1: he's not He's a dick. He is a dick. A masterful dick, but a dick. Uh, There might not be a bigger or badder villain in this story, though, than the winner of this week's Champion's Purse. Each episode, you guys know this by now, we're going to honor the person who played the game the best, advanced his or her cause in some very real, very impressive way. And this week. Give it up for the girl. What a dunk. Cersei. Slam dunk the queen on the whole realm. What a legend. Cersei is the winner of our champions purse. She is the winner of her her little battle here with Ned. And she is absolutely a legend. Why don't you why don't you take us through what you found most impressive here? Well,
0: as as Ned kind of dithers and bumbles along with his ill-conceived quest to find the most honorable solution to all these problems in this literally the worst city in Westeros. Um, Cersei sees the moment and she acts. She just acts. She understands, perhaps better than a man could possibly understand in this world, that the trappings of power are important. Maybe even more important than the rites of succession or sharpened swords or words written by a dead king. Power is intangible, but it resides in those symbols. And she knows that if Joffrey is sitting his ass in the throne with a freaking crown on his head... As she stands next to him, then it does not matter what any piece of paper says, and it doesn't matter who wrote the words on the piece of paper. He's sitting on the throne, he's the king, and I'm the queen regent. It's a bold move, and it was necessary for her, and she did it with speed. And she had to, because, you know, uh, Ned is a dumb dude, and we've talked about this (laughs) time and again, but he really came close to winning the Game of Thrones uh, three, maybe four times, like, by accident— He could have told Robert about Jamie and Cersei, could have sent a raven while he was out at the hunt. He could have sat on the throne and announced his findings that Jamie and Cersei had been having an affair and that the children are illegitimate. He could have taken Renly's offer and had Joff seized. He could have done any of these things. Ned has armed men in the city, the gold cloaks are of uncertain loyalty. It's unclear that the Lannister guardman would take orders from a woman. Jamie is off in the Riverlands. There were just a lot of variables flying around, a lot of ways for Cersei to lose this game. A smarter, more ruthless opponent than Ned Stark would have beaten her, and I think she knows it. So Cersei just moved. She moved before anybody else could. Her messenger summons Ned as the bells are tolling that Robert has died. Why wasn't Ned sitting at Robert's bedside waiting for him to expire so he could rush to the throne room and, and reveal the will? You know, Joffrey, surely at Cersei's uh, bidding, says that he demands to be coordinated within a fortnight. He understands we got to do this fast. Let's go. Let's do this now. And she even gives Ned an out: swear allegiance to the new king, and you can go to the north, not to the Wall. That wasteland. Not to the Wall. <laughs> you can go home. And of course, he refuses. He does. He doesn't see the board, and Cersei sees the board.
1: You know whose fault this is, really, though. Who? Even more than Ned's? Tell me. Cat. <sighs> because <sighs> Ned <sighs>
0: only.
1: Ne- Ned has very few correct instincts yes, over his time with us true. but one of the ones that he had that was right was that Littlefinger was a swarmy motherfucker right? From and jump. Kat talked him out of it she convinced him he's like a brother to me he would never betray me that's what she says Ned. to Ned and so in this moment when Littlefinger's making this appeal yeah. Ned's disgusted by him he's literally saying to him what you're suggesting is she's in cool let's partner up right like what the fuck are you doing? Listen <laughs> to your gut. Trust your gut. I mean, his gut would have just gotten him killed in a different way. But Cersei, meanwhile, she is also kind of echoing her family members here. Sure. It's just much more effective. Like when Jamie says to her... Earlier in the season, you know, basically, what are we going to do with our threats? We're going to eliminate them until yeah. you and me are the only ones left in this world. She's doing that right now, yep. basically with Joffrey. She will continue to do that. One of her only real redeeming qualities, in addition to just being a badass, is that she actually really does love her children. She loves her children, and she will children do intensely anything to protect them. Yes, like you were talking earlier about yep. Ned leading his kids into this pit. Of danger, she is attempting to position her children to survive. Yep. And whether or not she'll be successful in that is kind of not the point. She's at least actively attempting to do what Tywin is trying to do as well, and what he has apparently successfully taught her to do in a way that he does not feel he has taught Jamie to do protect the family legacy. Cersei wins. <laughs> All right, guys. Titles, titles, titles moons of our life we hope that you had as much fun as we did today and that you will join us next time we will be discussing season 1 episode 8 the pointy end until then please remember we did warn you not to trust us
0: Are you going to say something clever? Go on, say something clever.
1: Your mother's dead.
0: (laughs) Soon I'll be dead. All of us dead, rotting in the ground.